<laughs> All right, so do we have pics of my family? Ready to roll? Okay, awesome. Uh, I'm Bobby, by the way. She did just introduce me. And hi, guys. And Crystal's going to show some of my highlights from the summer, as well as a picture of my family. And then we're going to move Okay, that's my family. And that was taken almost a year ago. The bride and the groom are my son and daughter-in-law. And that is one of the highlights of my summer. She's been playing Cinderella all summer. And I love it. That is Anita. She's our youngest. She's two and a half. And this is my first grandchild. And my sweet daughter-in-law, my first daughter-in-law. They've been a highlight this summer. And this is my husband, Ron, and my 12-year-old, Audrey. And she was baptized this summer, and that was super special. So we are so thankful to the Lord because our children um, are coming to know him at a young age and um, obeying him in baptism. That's just a blessing. Another thing about me, I'm supposed to share a few things about me before we start. And another thing about me is that I love to garden. And um, I was thinking about a quote this week. One of my favorite pastors is a guy named Tim Keller. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. Um, he says that everything is gardening. And I think that might be partially why I like gardening. He says everything is gardening because it's taking raw material and rearranging it for human flourishing. And I love that because that's what we're all here for. We're all here to be rearranged. We are the raw material. And Jesus wants to rearrange us. And he wants to have a say in every aspect of our lives, including our emotions. It's not something we talk about very often, but we're really going to get deep tonight. So, um, one of the things about me talking about emotions is that there's a lot of irony here. I was telling my table last week that I am um, a stove and crock pot girl. Okay, so this is how it works, and I've been doing this for years until I started preparing for this, <laughs> and it's been kind of bumpy. Um, Alright, so I cook. So there's the stove, and I've got my four burners, and everything on the burner is going to pretty much be ready in about 20 or 30 minutes. And anything that I want to do, say, for tonight, if, if it's the morning, or for tomorrow, if it's the evening, I stick in the crock pot, right? You guys are tracking with that? So for me, with my emotions, for years, in the crock pot. In the crock pot. In fact, I would actually think this to myself. I don't have time for that, it goes in the crock pot. I don't have time to be angry, it goes in the crock pot. And um, that can be good, it can be bad, it can be both. But for the purpose of tonight, it was time for me to empty that thing out completely. And so the Holy Spirit has been doing that in me, and it's been awesome um, and hard. So one of the things I want to do tonight, I want to have three different sections. We're going to talk about God's emotions, and I'm going to have you guys do some writing, and then I'm going to get some feedback from you. So be prepared to participate in that. Don't be shy. And then the second thing I want to talk about are our emotions and common ways that we deal or avoid dealing with them. And then the third thing, we're going to talk about that 
as well as a group. But then the third thing I want to talk about is how you came in here tonight, what you were feeling and what you brought with you. And if you don't know right now, I had Crystal make those emotion sheets and they're actually hilarious. But if you need help, I want to say hungover is on there and I, Crystal, it's not a feeling, where are you? It, it's a consequence. But, but that's, I mean, we can comb through those and see if there's one that you are feeling like legitimately. Um, so be thinking about that because later in our more intimate groups at our table, um, I want to talk about those. We want to work through those. We want to give those things to Jesus. We want to let him rearrange us tonight. So when I started preparing for this talk tonight, my emotion was overwhelmed. That would be on my blank. That was where I started, and I know that's super general and kind of dodgy as far as emotions go. But let me tell you, what I learned is that it was the tip of the mass. And that was my journey as I prepared for this tonight. How I decided to deal with that, when I first realized I was overwhelmed, I was just going through my days, checking my texts, feeding the kids, laundry, you know, the routine, the boring stuff. Checking my texts from my daughter, and it said, hey mom, what do you think about this for the wedding date? Okay, yeah, sounds good. A couple days later, hey mom, what do you think about this for the venue? Boom. Overwhelmed. Completely. I couldn't find, like, I couldn't text back. I couldn't find my orientation. I was completely thrown off balance from that text. Doesn't really make sense. We knew she was getting married. We were talking about venues. And so I spent the next several days kind of in that fog, if you've ever been overwhelmed, of everything that is order not being order. Everything that was routine, not feeling routine, feeling completely out of sorts. And so I did what a lot of us do, and I decided that the best thing for me to do was to tuck the kids in early and pull out the BBNC version of Pride and Prejudice and watch Mr. Darcy and Miss Elizabeth Bennett fall in love for the umpteenth time. I knew that would get me over the hump and I would be bright as rain in a few days. So I fell asleep in the second episode, but I, but I persevered and continued to watch it in the evenings after tucking the kids in bed early a lot that week. But throughout the day, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go. He pursued me, he chased me. He said, no, this is like that talk that you're doing. You're gonna deal with this? And we're gonna go deep. And so I'm gonna share with you guys tonight what he's been teaching me. And the first thing that he's been teaching me is that emotions move us. They move us. And before we talk about what that looks like, I want to go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for every single person here. You know exactly what was brought into this room. And not only do you um, want to interact with each one of us. You're completely prepared to do so. And what I'm asking you to do is move your Holy Spirit in each one of our hearts so that we will cooperate with them. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna talk about God's emotions. And you guys each have a section on your sheet that says God's emotions. And you can write down what you hear. 
hear stated and what you hear implied in what I read. I had to put together a summary, kind of a snapshot of God's emotions, and there really are too many things for me to even begin to talk about. So I put it in summary version so that it wouldn't be chopped up. I'm going to read, you guys write, and then I want to get your feedback, the things that are stated and the things that are implied. On the sixth day, I created man in my own image. In the image of God, I created him. Male and female, I created them. I saw all that I had made, and it was very good. It wasn't long before I saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of his heart was evil all the time. I was grieved that I had made man on the earth, and my heart was filled with pain. My people would flatter me with their mouths, lying to me with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to me. They were not faithful to my covenant. Yet, I was merciful. I forgave their iniquities. I did not destroy them. Time after time, I restrained my anger, and I did not stir up my full wrath. I remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. How often they rebelled against me in the desert or grieved me in the wasteland. But am I the one they are provoking? Are they not rather harming themselves to their own shame? Therefore, this is what I, the Sovereign Lord, say. My anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man, on beast, on the trees of the field, the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Did you know there are six things that I hate? There are seven that are detestable to me. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. You killed the prophets. You stoned those I sent to you. How often I longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And when I walked on the earth, I remember seeing the crowds and having compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I remember going to Mary the Lazarus' side, and she cried, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I saw her weeping. I was deeply moved in my spirit, and I was troubled. When I asked where they had laid him, they took me to the place. I wept. And then there was the cross. I remember that night in the garden. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I, who am in very nature God, I did not consider equality with God. I made myself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made like you, in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, I humbled myself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. I remember at about the ninth hour, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Father loved you so much, I loved you so much, that we gave me his one and only Son so that you might have everlasting life. Don't you know 
that I did it for the joy set before me? The shame was nothing compared to the joy. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain there in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, so that your joy may be complete. So what are some of the things that you heard stated and implied in this brief snapshot? Disappointment. emotionally from other places, 
The image we bear becomes shadowed. It becomes ill-shaped. It becomes marred. It definitely loses its truth. I like words a lot. The word emotion has roots that go deeper than how we use it now in our modern English. It can mean a social moving, a stirring, an agitation. It means to move out or to remove, to agitate, to push away, or to move toward. Emotions do move us. That is a fact. The question is, where are we going to let them take us? We can either take them to Jesus, or we can take them elsewhere. We have two choices. They will move us. They will. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. Jesus calls this sin. When we go to something else that is other than him, he doesn't like that. Because he's given us spring, flowing, living water. And we're like, no, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to take something, and I hope some water comes to the top. And it's going to be really hard work, and it's going to be dry and dirty and crusty. But I'd rather have that than you. That's what, that's what this is about. And so, are we going to let our emotions move us? Where are we going to let them take us? And I want to talk about some of the ways that we allow our emotions to move us to other places, just like I wanted to deal, and I'm using that word in quotes, deal with my emotions by tuning them out, by trying to anesthetize or get rid of, to get lost in another world, hoping it would go away. And so I'm going to ask you guys right now, I'm going to give you a couple minutes, and I want you quickly in your tables to do like a two-minute brainstorm and come up with things that you go to. Carter mentioned one last week. She said for her it was Netflix. What are some of the things that you go to when you don't want to deal with something? And I'm going to see what you come up with in a minute. Okay, go. I did not think of that one, but that's spot on. How about my table? 
table. What did you guys come up with? Cell phone. Cell phone. Oh, she shed. The she shed. Lucky, you have a she shed? Come on. Oh my goodness. All right, how about you guys over there with all those visitors over there at that table? Pam? Social media, big time. I mean, how long can we spend doing absolutely nothing? And you're just, I've done that, and I'm not even on Facebook. They all know it's true. How about you guys? Deflect. Wow, yeah, that, that hurts right there. How about table nine? Food. Food, I have refrigerator on here. All right, does anyone have anything back here that they want to yell out? We hit the, yeah, we hit, yeah, I think we've covered a lot of them. So those are some of the things we can go to, but here's a couple that weren't covered that I actually want to touch on because these have been my advices in the past. Sometimes I will go to my husband, and this is how I know when I really need to be going to Jesus instead. Are we, are we having the same testimony? Okay, good, yeah. Okay, so for me, when I go to my husband, and I'm like, I have this really big emotional problem, and I really need you to help me deal with this, and he's like so not available to fix it, or help, or anything helpful. That's when I know I've gone to the cistern that is broken. Not because my husband is broken, but because I'm expecting him, another human being, to fix me. He's not going to fix me. But we also do it with our friends. You have a best friend that you can text anytime, that you can talk to anytime, that you can dump on anytime, and you kind of hit on it over here, Emily. It's the rehash. But it's broken. It's not going to fix what ails us. I think we go to these things because they give us that illusion of control. The illusion. If I. I'm online and I'm buying this thing and I'm going to feel better. Or I'm going to clean out this cabinet and it's going to be totally orderly and organized and I have control, perceived control of my life, but really I don't. I'm just moving a few things around my cupboard. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. But we do. We have an illusion of control over whatever that bad thing is that's hovering that we need to deal with. In my case, the thing that's in the crock pot. And there's so many things in there that just need to come out. I want to talk about three ways that we can begin to move toward Jesus. Because if our emotions are going to move us, and they are going to move us, we are going to do something with them. We need to let them move us to Him. In fact, I was thinking about this in regards to Him. If you think about His emotions in the panorama of Scripture, they're all because He wants relationship with us. That floors me. He knew how it would be and made us anyway. And he gets to express the vast scape of his emotions toward us in love. So one of, one of the first ways, and these are all about prayer, you guys, all of them. Three different ways that we can move toward Jesus. The first one is to pray and to praise. And in James 5.13, we're told, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. This is basic. This is so simple. 
And yet, two weeks ago, in leaders group, before we started our semester, we were all sitting around the table and I asked the ladies, because I was thinking about this, I thought, am I the only one? Am I the only one? When you guys are having a bad day, are you more inclined to go to Jesus or are you more inclined to go to him when you're having a great day? What drives you to him? What moves you toward him the most? Unanimously, around our table, we said, when our day is not going so great, we're like, please, Lord. And yet we're told specifically here, when we have a good day, when we have a day where we can say, I feel content, all is well, praise him. I think we're, I think we're told to praise him because we're to acknowledge that he is the source of our wellness. He is the source of our moment of respite in this world that is riddled with many other kinds of moments. But if we're in trouble, we need to pray. And in Matthew 11:28, and I've been meditating on this for probably over a year on and off, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and there you will find rest for your souls. I don't know how many of you came in here tonight completely soul-tired. Or maybe you're just weary. Or maybe you just think, if I could just have a rest. Jesus says, come to me. The second way we need to pray is for help. In John 14, 26, we're told, but when the helper, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, when he comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything I have told you. Jesus wants our emotions to move us toward him. Because in my case, my prayer for help was actually a prayer for counseling. I actually went to him and said, will you counsel me through this? Will you show me what is underneath the tip, which is overwhelm? Show me what the mass underneath that is. Because you see, what I thought, what I thought was overwhelmed for like July, maybe June, the summer. The Holy Spirit really challenged me a lot deeper than that. And he said, you know, I thought, well, okay, maybe it's since the beginning of the year. Well, last year was kind of hard. No, you've had that crop pot going for about two years, and we're just going to empty that thing out, and we're not even going to keep anything in there because it's gross. And what I started to realize is that in the last two years, I've had three of my children leave home. And so in my whatever, I'm perfectionist, what is it, Holly? If you tell me what I am, I'm all these things. In all, in all of my things that I am to be the mother, right? You go, you live, I rejoice with you. You go be, you go do, you go bring it, you know? <laughs> And, and not even giving a second to those moments when I glance at my table and that empty spot. Or the fact that the noise level in my home after one of them left went down by at least 50%. <laughs> at least. 
So it was so quiet, it was so obvious. And yet, here was the thing, that one son, you know what he spent most of his time making racket doing? Singing praise songs to Jesus at the top of his voice. So you miss stuff like that. And then realizing too that because we have a large family and there are 12 children in our family, I kind of had this newsflash that I'm going to be watching my kids leave for the next 16 to 18 years. And I was kind of mad about that. So I had some anger. And I was trying to resist that change. Like, no, you know, asking the question, why were the old days better than these that we're told not to ask in Ecclesiastes? So that's my story. But we all have stuff that we brought in here that is in the proverbial crockpot. What you brought in here tonight, he will meet you with his comfort, with his help. If you can't help yourself, he will advocate for you. Did you know that he is interceding for you right now, if you are in him? And if he is drawing you to him, I think he's interceding for you as well. He's there to strengthen you. When you feel like you can't go on another day, and if you brought that in here with you tonight, he's here to strengthen you. And besides all of that, he's standing by. He's standing by. If our emotions move us, I wonder why we go to the cisterns that are empty and that are dry. I wonder why we do that. The third thing is a prayer of thankfulness. We're told in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 not to be anxious for anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our requests to God and that the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus wants our emotions to move us toward thankfulness, and that's tricky. And I didn't get here until after the first two, after I was already into the praying for help, like just kind of a general help me, and then praying specifically for counseling. But I was reading a book at the time by a woman who doesn't even know Jesus, and she was writing about the importance of gratitude in our lives and how it changed her life and all these things. And I thought, she doesn't even know who she's thinking. And we do. And we've been promised peace. We've been promised such an incredible peace that it actually transcends our understanding. And because I love words, I'm going to break that one down. <laughs> That's a good one. Transcends, you guys. If you think you understand peace, this peace will surpass it. It excels, it exceeds, it beats, it trumps, it tops, it outdoes, it outstrips, it outranks, outshines, it eclipses. It's going to overstep what you understand. It's going to overshadow and upstage what you understand about peace. It's going to blow your mind. This peace is not like any other peace that any other thing will give you. 
So when we go to Google and we're like, how do I deal with whatever? And you're gonna, you're gonna pull up the five steps or the 10 steps. No, that's not it. You think you're gonna feel peace by buying that new thing or by having a night alone by yourself or you're just watching your favorite movie. Mm -mm. That's not gonna blow your mind. This is gonna blow your mind. And that peace that blows our mind, that peace that outdoes, outstrips, outranks, and outshines our current understanding of peace is the peace he wants to give us because it's gonna guard our hearts, which is the seat of our emotions. Yes. It's gonna guard our minds. And if our minds are guarded, we will be able to think through the things that we are feeling. And so we need this desperately. So what I have to ask you guys tonight is if our emotions move us, which direction are we gonna go? And tonight you have your last blank on your sheet and you simply get to fill in the blank with I feel and put whatever you brought there with you tonight. And then we have four questions that I want you guys to answer at your tables. And before I do that, I'm going to go ahead and pray that the Holy Spirit will move us to obey Him in this way. Father, I thank you for all of these women and for the dear friends that I have in this room, for the women that you love, and I thank you that your Holy Spirit is pursuing us, and He is pursuing us hard. Would you give us the strength and the grace to respond to you tonight? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.